They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. That is right, that is right, SoundCloud.com. You know it, you love it. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, and if you don't know it, well, now you know. Right here on SoundCloud.com, Joe O'Donnell, John Mita, Johnny Meats. What's shaking out there on the East Coast, brother? Uh, nothing much, nothing much. Had a great weekend. I actually got engaged this weekend in Baltimore. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah, everything went to plan. Um, it was a great experience, great night. Uh, bar tab on Saturday night was legendary between two people, and uh, yeah, we, we had a great time for sure. Legendary bar tab, I love it. Yeah, yeah, two hundred and seventy-one dollars. <laughs> Were you drinking Cavassier? Oh my God, you you would have thought I brought out a couple shots of Louis Trey at that number, but uh, I don't know what went on. But uh, we made a lot of friends that night. Apparently, uh, <laughs> yeah, we met. We met this couple. They were at the Garth Brooks concert, um, and yeah, we just hit it off with them. And then next thing you know, we're two hundred twenty dollars deep with a fifty dollar tip. Now we're up to two seventy, but it was totally worth it. What a great experience for me, my fiance Shauna, and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to a new beginning. I guess you're the new man, journey. brother. You're the man. Congrats, the, the BL podcast, adding members to the family left and right. I love it. Exactly. For sure. I, I love it. I love it. Um, all right, my man. Well, let's jump into it here on SoundCloud.com. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Belove Podcast. Again, on Twitter at Belove Podcast. Um, well, Super Bowl 50 is Sunday. We'll get there in a moment. Here's what else is in store for you on SoundCloud.com. We'll have a little Eagles conversation. Some more, some more players getting paid, uh, plus a search for a personnel boss, as Fugazi as it might have been, has been suspended for the time being. Uh, plus, the NHL All-Star Game, a new flavor, three-on-three format. We'll talk about that. And the story that was Big John Scott. And then, of course, uh, we'll wrap things up with a little Villanova prediction since Johnny Meats will be at the game moments from now. So we got to get moving on this Brotherly Love podcast here so we can get you out to the pavilion and see some Nova Nation. All right, uh, let's get into Vinny Curry getting paid, my man. He's the next guy on the list. We've seen Brent Selleck get paid. We've seen Zach Ertz get paid. New contract for Lane Johnson. Vinny Curry now hot off the wire, so to speak, getting paid multi-year deal. The switch to the 4-3 with Jim Schwartz, a big reason for this, I guess, because really you're talking about a guy that was on the field for, I think, 35% of the snaps last year, up slightly from the year before, never really fit the Chip Kelly 3-4 Billy Davis scheme. Did they pay him too soon, Johnny Mina? You know, at this point, I don't think it was too soon. Uh, we'll see how the contract plays out, but I think it was a good move on the Eagles' part because this is a very talented player, and he was a talented guy. We saw flashes of it throughout his career, not many snaps, mind you, but when there were times when he played he was able to get back after the quarterback, and that's what this team needs, pressure, pressure, pressure. You look at the good defenses in this league, what are they able to do? Get massive pressure on the quarterback. And by then, switching to a 4-3, to 
He couldn't have let this guy walk. I think Kelly did a good job with this one. And I expect a huge year out of this kid. I really do. I think he has kind of, you know, that Jason Pierre Paul ability, you know, post, you know, pre injury, so to speak. I think this kid's really talented. I'm glad we locked him up. You know, next on the pecking order is you got to get Fletcher Cox, the talented D tackle, you know, sewn up. And the other question is okay, with signing all of these current players and getting these core guys, you know, locked up, future guys for the year. Then the question becomes, okay, is there going to be any money left to sign Sam Bradford at the number that basically his agent right now is orchestrating or throwing out there to teams right now? So I like the move. Um, you kind of touched on, you know, the player personnel thing. You know, they're putting that on hold. Again, we've talked about it countless times on this podcast over and over. It looks like Howie is back in the GM role. Yeah, and that's, that's it. To me, that's... My thoughts real quick on Vinny Curry before you get me all fired sure, up on this sure, Howie Roseman sure, nonsense. Sure. 27-year-old, getting a five-year deal, $46.25 million. Obviously not all that's guaranteed. But you're talking about a guy with less than 15 career sacks. So I don't want to say I'm a little skeptical, but I think I would have liked to have seen a larger sample size of playing time from this kid. I know he was more of your third-down pass rusher. I know that he was a guy that didn't really fit the 3-4. I get that. But at the same time, you know, this is a lot of money for a guy that's somewhat unproven. Would he have gotten more elsewhere? I don't think so. Would he have gotten paid on the free agent market? Probably. Will he be better fitted for the 4-3? That's what all the talking heads are telling me. And according to uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Vinny Curry probably wouldn't have agreed to stay in Philadelphia if they weren't changing their system to that 4-3. So, obviously, he thinks it's a fit. Everybody out there seems to think it's a fit, so hard for me to really push back on this contract. It's just a lot of money, as you pointed out, John Mead, when you've got other holes or other possible names out there to be signed in free agency or re-signed within, including Fletcher Cox, including whoever the hell your starting quarterback is going to be. So I guess I'm not as jumping up and down over this deal as maybe some people are, and I hope the kid proves me wrong. I hope he goes out and becomes that Pro Bowl-type edge rusher in the 4-3 scheme because, again, we haven't seen that opportunity. He hasn't been given that opportunity to shine in that spotlight. As for this personnel search, right, the guy that's going to be the end-all, de facto, he's going to take the sword when when there's poor draft picks. Did you see Jeff McLean's piece uh, that the whole thing was a charade? I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I honestly couldn't. You know, they, they went out and they interviewed guys that – we're basically going to fall beneath Howie Roseman anyway on the on the pecking order, or at least that's what their resume told you would be happening if they were hired. Uh, and they didn't get a lot of big names or a lot of candidates from everything I've read, mainly because the job description on uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, if you will, probably said reports to Howie Roseman, and we know that how that's worked out for people that have worked for Howie. So I, I, I think that you know this whole thing was just a cover-up from Laurie and company to – to kind of diffuse this uh, Howie Roseman on the chopping block, all this heat towards Howie Roseman, who avoided it himself, you know, post basically all season. And then after the year, he had some, you know, big speech about, you know, his new role and all this stuff and how the year was, blah, blah, blah. Bunch of garbage, actually, at the end of the day. Now they're saying, John Mita, they're going to suspend the search and wait until after the draft because that's when a lot of scouts become available. You could talk to more scouts. Why would you even have a search to begin with if you knew that three months from now is a better time to have the search? Why would you waste your time now? Why would you go public with this? I just don't get it. This organization has never done a good job PR-wise, period. 
I mean, you can go back over years, and I pointed some of them out a couple of podcasts ago. PR-wise, this organization, the Philadelphia Eagles, they stink. They don't have a clue about how to spin things properly. You know, they just, they try to, but at the end of the day, they get caught with their pants down. You can see right through it. The fan base sees right through all this stuff. And and give credit to the local media, because they don't give them a pass. But this search for personnel boss, the guy that's going to be in charge of the day-to-day operations, Tom Donahue, he's going to work with this guy. Who knows how this organization is going to be set up, you know, from a from a hierarchy standpoint. Nobody knows, and that's the problem. That's the problem. And, and at the end of the day, that rat Howie Roseman is still in there. He's going to have his hands in the mix, and that bothers me the most. Yeah, I mean, you made some really candid points there, Joe. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It is just so – it is the most bizarre, peculiar – you know, just say you're you're hiring somebody to run your personal department. What does the general manager do? You know, I mean, and so dysfunctional. This whole team, it, you're, it, it has been a charade. And I've been saying that from day one, you know, get the general manager in there, yeah. then get a coach, then, you know, move through the process that way. But it's clear, you know, you know Howie trusts. I mean, Jeffrey has so much trust in Howie, and let's, let's see. I mean, we can only let's hope see. and pray that he makes We've seen. Uh, you know, I mean, what else is there to see, bro? What has Howie Roseman done that you go, man, that's why this is our guy? Seriously. I just don't yeah. see it. If he's good at managing the cap, if he's good at handing out contracts that are fair for both sides, great. I mean, that should be his role. Chip tried to make that happen. And then Chip, the whole thing backfired because Chip turned out that he couldn't have a personality that worked well with others, right? You know, in kindergarten, you get the report card, doesn't play well with others. That was Chip Kelly. And that's a yep. large part of the reason why that guy got fired. And now Roseman's no, no. right back where he was. And I think the biggest thing for me is that you, I, I like I like your chain of command. And if if we follow the John Mead approach to have to having a functional football team in the NFL, it was hire a GM who hires a coach who picks out the quarterback. What did the Eagles do? They hired the coach that nobody else gave a crap about. That nobody else even. No pun intended with Poopy Peterson, of course, that nobody else even wanted to talk to. They bring in Poopy Peterson. You still don't have a GM. You go through some charade of a coaching search, or excuse me, a personnel search. Then you put that on hold. Then Roseman comes back out. He's talking again. I mean, it's just a disaster. It is a disaster. Hire the GM, bring in the coach, get your quarterback, and figure this thing out long term. You had it. You nailed it right on the head. They went. The middle step first. Now they don't have still that guy that's in charge. And let's be honest, we all know at the end of the day, they'll bring in somebody that will work underneath Howie, maybe someday succeed Howie. uh, Howie. But until then, Howie Roseman is the guy, should be the quote-unquote fall guy, but we've seen in the past he avoids those bullets like he's in the damn matrix. Yeah, I mean, and what GM? I mean, what guy is going to want to come in here right now Knowing how much power that Howie Roseman holds. It well, exactly. You got to bring in some intern, and he'll yeah, be second exactly. or third in charge. And then he, you know, five years from uh, now, he hopes that, you know, he's able to poison Roseman and move on. Yeah, let's just hope that these, you know, these new coaches that the Eagles hired, you know, with this Peterson regime, let's just hope they do a great job of evaluating players who will be the Senior Bowl and yeah. and the Combine and moving forward and look at a lot of tape and you know help make these decisions easier. Bottom line is the real question is when it comes down to the final decision, is it going to be Howie's decision? Is it going to be Doug Peterson's decision on drafting that type of player? Who's it going to come down to? 
Or are they going to go back to their old mantra, the old collaboration effort, which I can't stand. But, again, we just got to pray and hope at this point. I mean, I'm not really hopeful or positive, but what else do we have? <laughs> hey, man, in Poopy Peterson, we trust. We got that going <laughs> for us. All right, uh, yeah. Su- Super Bowl 50 on Sunday. Has your faith in the Carolina Panthers wavered at all since we last spoke? No, I mean, everybody's kind of making a a point that Denver has more players that have Super Bowl experience than, than yeah, Carolina. 18 of, them. 18 of them. 18. Does that give them any edge, have, any edge at all to Denver? I don't know. I mean, they, some of those players were on the team in Denver when they ended up getting smoked by Seattle in the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think – I just think Carolina's playing loose right now. I, I, I just I, – I don't see how they lose. I really don't. I think it's – I think they're on a mission. From start to finish, even though they're a four-point favorite in this football game, I still think that they're taking on the underdog role like they have the entire year, and I think they're just going to prove a point and just show the world why they're the best team in the NFL this year. If you were a betting man then, you think they win by by double digits? I kind of predicted last week, I I really do think they win by at least 10 points. I, I just, I don't see how, Denver has an elite defense. But I think at times, I think Carolina's defense, Carolina's defense, is going to make a couple plays, maybe cause a couple turnovers. That's going to set their offense up in a great position to throw some points on the board. And Carolina, all year long, has been the best team in the NFL as far as you know getting turnovers and putting points on the board. So, yep. Your favorite prop bet, John Mita, is what when it comes to the Super Bowl? And who's going to get splashed? With Gatorade, what color is it going to be? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I heard that the other day. I'm like, really? How do they know that those teams don't have red Gatorade? Did you? That'd be the bet. I, <laughs> that'd be the bet I spent money on. Did you? I mean, the, did you see the, the? Did you see the prop bet? The first Carolina touchdown, the football will be handed from a player to a boy or a girl. Did you see that one? No. You know how they've been handing out right. footballs to the kids all all throughout the season. Yeah. 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 All right. So Johnny Mita, here we go. Here, here's my favorite prop bet for you, and it is without question the length of the national anthem. Always take ah, the over, baby. Always take the over. All right. I got some prop bets for you, Johnny Mita. I got some prop bets, real sure. quick. How many times sure. will dab or dabbing be said by the announcers? The over under is two. I take the over. All right. Well, Mike Carey, you know the NFL guru of officiating that they'll have on the broadcast. <laughs> will he be wrong about a challenge? Yes is plus one ten. No minus one fifty. I said he will not be wrong. No. All, right. All right. How many times will John Elway be shown during the broadcast? The chief of all things football operations wise for the Denver Broncos. Obviously a two time Super Bowl champ. Remember he went out on top, retiring, winning the Super Bowl, and then hanging him up. Maybe like Peyton. How many times will John Elway uh, Elway be shown during the broadcast? The over under is two and a half. I was gonna say I'm gonna go with three. <laughs> yeah, I think I the over, man. I think the over because yeah. if that if the game's close late and Denver has the ball, they'll show Elway yeah. like four times, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. No All right. How many times will the Golden Gate Bridge be shown during the broadcast? The over under is only point five. I think that you got to take the over. Yeah, definitely go with the over. Yeah, they're going to show that at least once. All yeah, right. Yeah, I think that might be the shortest bet on the board right there. And last one, That's Johnny Mina. Last prop bet for Super Bowl 50. Will they redo the coin toss? Yes, no. Yes pays 20 to 1. Jeez. <laughs> that could be the short thing. No. 
can't right. screw up a Super Bowl coin toss. Well, they, screw, they, they screwed up a divisional playoff <laughs> overtime coin toss. Yeah, uh, they certainly did. I'm sure they maybe, after that incident, I'm sure they went back to flipping coin school. Yeah, <laughs> the non-flip, the non-flip flip. Yeah. All right. All right, last football exactly. topic before we take a break here on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Sure. Again, follow us on Twitter at BelovePodcast. Calvin Johnson is planning to retire 83 career touchdowns. Kind of stunning, well, at least the people outside of his immediate circle, the Detroit Lions and the NFL fan, uh, you know, general fan population, says that last year was going to be his last year. You would have thought maybe would have told somebody so they could have at least given him a proper send-off. Uh, I guess, first of all, does Megatron really step away? I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. So two-part question, Johnny Mita. Does he step away, and does he find himself in Canton? Yeah, I mean, 83 touchdowns, you're kind of running short of the limit as far as you know Hall of Fame numbers go. Um, I think he does step away. Um with the movie concussion and some of the after football, you know, problems that some of these players and health issues that these players are facing, you look at a guy like Barry Sanders who kind of left the game too early, same city, took probably the same amount of punishment. Um, I think he does step away. There's no question about it. He, he's definitely Hall of Fame worthy with his body of work, with the quarterbacks that he played with. You know, they got Stafford a little later in his career. The guy was a stud and kind of revolutionized the the receiver position just with that much, you know, speed, strength, you know, skill, height. I mean, the guy was the total package when it came to wide receiver. You know, never got in the, any of the off-the-field issues. Seems like a real class act. I could just see him stepping away because, listen, if you play 10 years in the NFL, you know, no matter what position, but you look at running backs, receivers, I and mean, you're constantly taking some punishments. And you know, his body has kind of broken down the last two seasons. They've kind of been a little injury plagued for him. So I, I do think he's going to step away. And someday I think he finds the hole for sure. 11,000-plus yards for Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron. Career started back in 2007. Just over 700 career catches. Uh, of course, a handful, uh, well, I should say three of those 83 touchdowns against the Eagles on Thanksgiving Day. Thank you very much, uh, Eric Rowe, et cetera, Billy Davis, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. There's a little discussion this week, actually, ironically enough, before Megatron announced this, or at least his circle broke the news that it could be it for him. And Mike Martz, former Rams coach, the greatest show on turf, was a little fired up that uh, there's a lot of talk of T.O. getting into the Hall of Fame before Isaac Bruce or Torrey Holt. I looked at all three of their numbers, meaning Holt, Bruce, and T.O. All are spectacular. Mike Martz was like crying a foul that T.O. would get in the Hall of Fame before those guys. I see Mike Martz's point. Obviously, he's a bit biased, but there's no way in hell T.O. doesn't get in the Hall of Fame with some of the gaudy numbers he put up. Yeah, I mean, his numbers, the way he was as a player, you know, he set some records. Record, you know, he had, what, that one game where he had like 20, 18 receptions. And then that was actually, I think, later broken, made by Duran and Marshall. The guy was an absolute monster. And for what he did for the Eagles, he suffered a major leg injury and was able to rehab in a month and a half, come back, and play an unbelievable game in the Super Bowl. you got to give him credit for coming back, you know, just to help his teammates out and try to win the Super Bowl. Off the field issues, everybody knows what type of character he was, how crazy he was, maybe not a, a team guy, maybe a, a me-first guy, but... His body of work, that can't you, you can't just overlook that. I mean, the guy is, in my opinion, a first-bound Hall of Famer. 
he deserves to get in for sure. All right, we'll take a timeout here on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. When we return, a little conversation about the NHL All-Star game that was, three-on-three flavor, and the story of John Scott, plus Johnny made his Villanova prediction, which by the time you hear this on SoundCloud.com will either be right or wrong. Take a break here. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Appreciate everybody tuning in, all the love and support. Hey, Johnny Mead, I saw straight out of Compton. I watched it last night, finally. What you think? Speaking of, you, uh, think? you know, with the Dr. Dre bumper music here, I figured it was appropriate. Uh, it was unbelievable, dude. I would If that movie was six hours long, I would have watched it. Yeah, it was really well done. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised, uh, you know, that Ice Cube's son didn't get, you know, best supporting non or something. I mean, I thought he was, he was just like his father. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. But all in all, to get the whole background story and, you know, the up and coming and how it was, it was pretty amazing, yeah. especially because that all took place when we were growing up. So. Yeah, and I had no idea the amount of drama that they went through as a group. I mean, my NWA yeah. knowledge was, was below yeah. below average. It yeah. was it was in the poor range. So I was yeah. a little disappointed in myself, all this all that news and scandal that I just I didn't I wasn't aware of, man. I had a, I should have gone yeah. back and done my hip hop history test over again before watching that one. But uh, really good stuff. Anyway, uh, be that as it may, it's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Before we get into our final topic about the NHL All-Star Game, Johnny Mead, I want to ask you about something that I found pretty stunning uh, a couple of nights back. That the Sixers, First of all, the Sixers almost beat the Warriors. That is stunning in its own right. But after the game where the Warriors hit a late three ball under a second ago, Harrison Barnes wins it. Uh, for the Warriors, they you know they do what they do, which is should beat the Sixers. They continue their quest for that you know seventy two and ten record or, or topping the Bulls all time mark. But after the game, Draymond Green uh, basically blamed himself for almost losing that game. Uh, he said, "quote We definitely should have lost, and it was all my fault." This is Draymond Green of the Warriors. He goes on to say, "quote I was selfishly unselfish, if you know what that means." And so we started turning the ball over due to my selfish unselfishness. And it was all downhill from there. So then he starts getting pushed by the, the reporters like, what are you talking about, dude? He goes on then to say, quote, in other words, I was chasing a triple-double. Coach came to me at halftime like, quote, you better get it in this third quarter because you ain't playing in the fourth, quote. And it was all downhill from there. So definitely my fault what went on tonight. Good thing we were able to get the win, end quote. That's from Draymond Green talking about his coaches coming to him, playing the lowly Sixers, Coming to him in-game at halftime and going, yo, dude, individual stats, they're out there. Better get them now because you're not playing the fourth quarter because this team stinks. We're going to blow them out of the water. The, the Warriors turned the ball over 15 times in the second half from the article I read. I saw the interview on SportsCenter, had to rewatch it, and my mind was blown. I, I'm stunned that he was this honest and admitted that. You know, I, I don't think yeah. this goes on in pro sports very much, and maybe I'm a little naive about it. Trust me, I know guys are looking for points or yards, or sacks, or more stolen bases. 
But I don't think that coaches go to players and say, look, here's the deal, you know, dot, dot, dot. Uh, That, to me, was most stunning. Not Draymond Green saying, hey, I thought I could get a triple-double, and I I shot the ball too much. I should have been more unselfish. Thought about my teammates. My bad. He literally said, coach told me, go get it, or you're coming out of the game. Well, either way, you're coming out of the game, so you might as well go get it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are, wow. (laughs) And the fact that he kind of shared that, it's awesome to hear a player come out and say that. That's the type of background stories that fans that that kind of want to understand. Because as you saw the meltdown as they started losing, well, you can understand why how the Sixers started scoring back. Because here was a player, and you got to give him credit for admitting that he almost cost his team the game. Now I'm sure Steve Kerr, the coaching staff, kind of probably, I mean, I'm sure of it that they had to talk to Draymond after after those remarks were made, just to tell him, look. You know, this is something that we keep in-house. Uh, you're more than welcome to talk to the media, but that type of stuff, coaching decisions, what we you know, say to you, you kind of want to keep that on the DL. But, uh, yeah, very shocking. Um, unbelievable that he said it. But he, he, I've, I've always liked Jerry Green. I admire him as a player. I love the way the kid plays. Um, and, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting that, that the coach even came to him and said, you better get it now. You think just, you think that goes on a lot, pro sports meeting coach to player? Uh, you think Charlie think, Charlie Manuel would give an extra at bat to somebody late in the season because they have a chance to get forty home runs and get paid? I mean, those types of things. I think it probably does go on a little more. You know, if there's you know regarding rushing yards, if you're about to break a thousand yards for the season. We're going to give the guy five more times. I'm sure it does go on a little more than we think. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, but I know guys have bonuses and clauses built in. They might right, try and get it themselves, but I'm just right, stunned. Right. Look, and a coach will put out a guy for a hat trick late in the third with an empty netter. You know, he's got right. two goals. But that's where you're up three or four to one, and you're usually putting out a good player anyway if he's got two goals, a guy that's hot. So it's not like you're yeah. compromising the game. The, the Golden State Warriors were essentially possibly – in this case, compromising the win for the fact that Draymond Green could get another triple-double and he's having a hell of a season. But uh, anyway, I found it really interesting, somewhat stunning, that he was so blatantly and brutally honest there. All right, last topic, Johnny Mita here on SoundCloud.com. is the Brotherly Love podcast, and this is one that's, uh, I don't want to say near and dear to my heart, but the NHL All-Star game was this past weekend. It was three-on-three hockey. I love the new format. I love the new flavor. It was awesome. It spiced up the game. It made it different. So many all-star games have tried different things. Baseball saying, you know, if you win, you get home field in the in the uh, World Series. The NFL now has Michael uh, Irvin and Jerry Rice drafting teams, so it's not even conference versus conference. It still is a lack of effort out there uh, in the Pro Bowl. NBA all-star game, they, they can't get the slam dunk competition to get, you know, anybody excited about it anymore. Nobody, none of the big stars even want to participate in it. So here's the NHL going outside the mold, having a divisional tournament, you know, each division playing against one another, three-on-three, three, kind of mini-games. I thought it was great. Didn't have an issue with it whatsoever. I thought it was outstanding hockey, outstanding television, um, although I never did end up finishing watching the championship game, I taped it all. But I got the gist of, of the flavor of it, right? But here here's the thing for me. John Scott, if you were living under a box of, a case of hockey pucks the last week or so, you might not have noticed that John Scott, a career uh, goon, if you will, a career enforcer, a guy with five career goals, was voted in as the captain of the Pacific Division team. The fans had a chance to vote for one player from each division. 
and it was an internet campaign. We've seen this a lot lately, social media and the web and other sports, voting for guys for all-star games. But this was kind of the NHL's nightmare that a guy like John Scott with five career goals would win the voting for the captain of the Pacific Division team, all right? If, I know you read it because I sent it to you, but if you're out there listening today on SoundCloud.com, you need to Google the Players' Tribune, which, first of all, is an outstanding blog. It, it, it goes across multiple sports, uh, and the players write pieces. John Scott wrote a piece called A Guy Like Me. All right, the Players' Tribune, John Scott, Google it. You'll find it's called A Guy Like Me. In there, he talks about finding out not only he got traded this year, but finding out he was going to the All-Star game, and then the league essentially telling him, no, we'd rather you not go. Can you kind of steer this campaign the other direction? I'm paraphrasing here. So he sent out some tweets and, and told fans, oh, vote for my teammates, which he admits to realizing was probably the right thing. Again, the guy's got five career goals. The end of the day, he gets traded. He wins the fan vote, so he gets sent to the minors. The NHL is trying to discourage him from going. He tells all of this in this blog, which totally makes the NHL look like a bunch of jackasses. All right? Let's be honest about yeah. it. Um, at the end of the day, it, it becomes this great story. They're talking about you know, a Hollywood movie based around the story because not only did he participate in the skills competition, but the All-Star game as well. He scored two goals and was named All-Star game MVP. The thing that bothers me the most about all this, and this is a guy that I got to meet in Houston when he, when he was very young in his career, and John Scott, unbelievable guy, just a complete beauty. But in, in his blog, he talks about his engineering degree, you know, how he never wanted to be a fighter, how he, had a, how he literally, no pun intended, had to fight for everything in his hockey career. Now he's in the NHL. He gets traded. He's got twins on the way. He has to move his whole family. The league's telling him not to go to the game. It's an embarrassment. Then he shows up. And he has the best time of his life. Big smile on his face. The, the crowd in Nashville, standing ovation. I mean, he turned out to be a great story. The thing that bothers me the most is that the NHL now gets off scot-free. Again, no pun intended. The NHL now has a great PR story. The NHL now has a, uh, I don't want to say a poster boy, but a guy like John Scott that they can kind of sell to the mass media. Of people that have no idea about the NHL or the NHL All-Star game, they may have heard this story and think it's a great positive story. Well, the NHL lucked out in this case because they handled it very, very poorly. Very poorly. It was an internet campaign. I get it. The media, you know, he's the butt of jokes. My first reaction when I saw he was going to pro- probably win and go to the All-Star game, I laughed about it. I mean, I know the guy, all right? He, he's not an NHL All-Star. In this case, he was, and he proved that he could you know, that he belonged in a lot of different ways. So it ended up being a great story, but what bothers me is that the NHL handled it poorly, and they're going to come out of this thing probably smelling like roses because of the way the story ended. It had that Hollywood-type happy ending to it. Uh, but just a just an unbelievable set of circumstances, and, and you've got to read the Players' Tribune, playerstribune.com, a guy like me, Google search at John Scott's blog. Um, your thoughts on it, Johnny Mita? Yeah, I thought it was uh, – I kind of heard about this story – because um, you know, I'm a sports fanatic and knowing that there's some guy with only like one goal seasons head of the all-star game. And apparently it's just amazing that here's a guy that the fans voted in there. They voted him in. I also like the all-star game that him and Patrick came were about to drop the gloves yeah. and they, you know, kind of joked and that, that was great. And the fact of the matter is the guy played hard. He scored two goals in the game. MVP. It is a great story. The NHL tends to handle some things 
very family, as you know. I'm sure you're part of the league. You know, some guys get in trouble. They kind of look the other way. But um, you're right. They probably are going to get all scot-free. But I think for the sport in general, the popularity, you know, in this country, as far as we all know how big it is in Canada, but I think it, it was great just because it's like the underdog story. Everybody appreciates a good underdog story. Yep. And that's what this was. And it turned out with a great ending. So kudos to him. I did read the article, love the article. I like the fact that the players contribute to those articles. It was very well done. So kudos to Johnny Scott. Yeah, a good. He gets, the, uh, he gets to spread the love this week from both of us. Yeah, he does. A good read for sure. The Players Tribune, a guy like me, John Scott's blog, uh, very, very good stuff, especially talking about coming up through the minors, the struggles he went through, uh, you know, his first NHL call-up, he forgot his passport, couldn't get on the <laughs> flight. I mean, just crazy yeah, stuff. And, again, right. a lot of it took me back to my early days in Houston since he was there my first year, you know, and getting called up to the NHL and all those sorts of things. So really good person, even better writer, honestly. It was just very well written and pretty damning for the National Hockey League. And I, I think I'll end it with this, Johnny Mita. I'd like to see the NHL do this more often, meaning have your, you know, if it has to be a token representative, have it be a token representative. You know, other leagues and teams should do the same thing. Why not let a veteran guy on each roster that, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily belong there this year? For example, if Yarmir Yager hadn't been having a good year, what's wrong with having him in the NHL All-Star game one last time? You know? Uh, in baseball, you know, what's what's wrong with bringing in a guy that has put in his due time 10-plus years in the league, you know he's going out uh, at some point, maybe not the top of his career. Why can't you find an all-star spot for those feel-good stories? Yep, great point, buddy. Well said. All right, brother. Nova Nation prediction. Give it to us. By, by the time, Nova again, Nation. everybody listens to this on SoundCloud.com, it'll be uh, either reality or, or not. <laughs> well, a big story in Nova right now is Daniel Achepu had a concussion this week in practice, and it doesn't look like he's probably going to go tonight. He's in protocol. I still like the Cats in this one. Uh, you know, Creighton's a very gritty team. I think the Cats will pull this one out 79-67. All right, brother. Next time we tune in on Sound or check in with you all on SoundCloud.com, we'll have a new Super Bowl champion. Enjoy the game this Sunday, Super Bowl 50. Johnny made a good stuff, bro. You got it. Take care, buddy. SoundCloud.com. Appreciate all the love. And congrats to the Johnny Mita getting married. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.